G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology, the Round 8 Review Edition. Big weekend, uh, Geelong continues on its merry way. Uh, not without a, a few questions asked by North Melbourne, but uh, ultimately prevailing, the Cats looking the goods. Uh, some thrilling finishes this weekend, we'll go over them in detail of course. Bit of controversy too, bit of post-climbing, uh, perhaps another Gary Ablett uh, match review officer controversy to deal with, a uh, bit of deja vu happening there. As I say, a very good evening to my co-host, Mark Fine. What'd you make of it all? I made Gary Ablett's gonzo. Yep. A bit different to the other one. We'll, we'll cover that off when we talk about the game. Yep. Uh, as far as the post-climbing, yep. probably the, the most stupid act I've seen in football. Pretty dumb. What was his aim? Was it to get to the top and launch? Well, I may, I may expand on that in the yep. later segment. And all the while, we thank Andrew's Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street in Albert Park, for the best burgers in town, 80 years young this year. If, if any football team could be as consistent as they are making burgers, we might have our premiership decided, because I don't think we've got consistency yet. Maybe well, Geelong. Well, they, they are so good. I saw lots of families today taking their mums down to Andrew's for a celebratory burger. Yeah, you know what? I didn't, and I regret it. Given what we had for lunch, yeah. sorry to my sister. Oh, well, perhaps you'd like to build a house for your mum. You know what? I would go to Nick's Bartels and Hardwick Build Co. They are, as we know, to the stars. I'll tell you who would have been very happy when they, when they got their house from Nick. Who's that? Dyson Heppel. Because if he seemed very happy with David Meyer's kick. <laughs> yes, that's a bone of some contention as well. We may touch on that. But uh, he's certainly happy with his house built by uh, Nick Spartel, one of the great builders. Uh, I reckon, yeah, yeah, go on. I'll tell you one thing. You do not have the best Myers in league football. That is for sure. Uh, no, I agree with that, unfortunately. Uh, and we'll cover that off as well. But uh, without any further ado, let's get into a full review of Round 8. On Footyology, wrap around. Okay, it all kicked off at the SCG Friday evening. It was a thriller. And uh, victors, the Swans, great effort by the Swans. Very, very plucky indeed over, I've got to say it finally, a terribly disappointing Essendon, who have now lost three in a row. And for all the um, uh, exultation about the sort of football they were playing a few weeks back, the bottom line is at round eight, Last year they were two and six, and the world was falling in. This year they're three and five, so not a lot of difference, and uh, some of the same questions being asked. What'd you make of the game? But something became obvious to me throughout the round as I watched Geelong play and other teams that have picked up players, not all through the draft, some through trading, some through the draft, but later selections, rookie picks out of local leagues. That Essendon really put their eggs in one basket this year with Dylan Shield, mm. and it's become plainly obvious that they should have 
scoured a little bit harder. They should have worked a little bit harder to uh, fill some deficiencies that exist in that team. What and do you think they are? They need more. They need more. Wingmen have become essential parts of football. They've got run off the half back line, but they just don't have somebody to get the ball to to break the lines out of stoppages. They certainly could have done with Ruck back up. And look, we knew. I mean, they picked up Zach Clark. I guess uh, they could defend themselves that way. Mm. But I feel that so many of the improvements made by teams in the last couple of years, when you look at a, a Maya check, it came through sort of local leagues. And I just don't think, I think Essendon were pretty comfortable adding Dylan Shield to the mix. There's not much left field recruiting going yeah, on. There, that's, what I'm th- that's what I'm talking about. Okay, well, t- I'd, I'd say this, and this is in no way an excuse. Well, it is sort of. Uh, injuries have hit him hard. Now, uh, Sam Draper was just about ready to make his senior debut, did his ACL, he's out for the years. Yeah. McKernan's been a huge loss, I a think. huge loss. I've got to say, though, a bit of an indictment on Tom Bell Chambers and Zach Clark that they got beaten by Callum Sinclair, basically, on his own. Yeah. So, well done, Callum Sinclair. Um, McKernan, big loss when he went down. James Stewart was ready to come back. He went down. And a massive loss, and yes, I keep saying this, it sounds hard to believe, but Mitch Brown, I thought, was a, a pivotal to Essendon playing better footy. He really straightens up that whole forward setup, and he's been a big loss, too. And that forward set up on Friday night was an absolute shambles. They just kept bombing it in on, you know, really, they didn't have key forwards to speak of, yeah. but just kept bombing it in long, and the Swans just cleaned up time and time again. Look, fair to say, if Danaher had played, that bombing would have resulted in enough scoreboard addition to win the game. But that's really, Sydney were on the bottom for a reason. How did Buddy Franklin play, by the way? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Did I not say it three weeks ago? What? This minor. I've never seen it reported. Oh, yeah. Very minor hamstring. Yeah. Well, he's now three weeks out of the game. He'll come back next week. Well, I mean, this is another reason. Essendon can go on about should Rampy's uh, thing have been penalised for the free kick on the goal line. But they, they simply did not deserve to win, particularly Sydney without Buddy. This is the big hats off to Sydney. They have been ranked stone marvellous last for contested ball. So we talk about them not having an outside game. They haven't had an inside game either. They got it back on Friday night. So they've been ranked 18th for contested ball, losing the contested ball by an average of 17, nearly 18 contested possessions per week. They won the contested ball on Friday night by seven. And that, to me, was the foundation of their whole victory. Inside 50s, 41 to the Swans, 54 to Essendon. But Sydney come up with a winning score. Thought Luke Parker set the tone for him, really aggressive. You could see the fire coming out of his nostrils at the start of the game. I thought George Hewitt, sensational job shutting down Shield. Yes. Kennedy, terrific. Had a lot more impact than he has been having. How about the kid? I really thought... He set the tone. Blakey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was good. In terms of tone setting, uh, running through the, you know, running at the ball, putting his light frame on the line, I thought that that set a really good tone early on in the game. Yeah, now we, we don't think Sydney can come back from here, do we, in terms of finals? No, no not really. Um, yeah. Well, the latter would suggest they're not out of the hunt, but I think there's too many bodies to clamber over on, on top of them. Um, Beautiful turn of phrase. Uh, what, yeah, it's a bit, a bit ghoulish. Um, do you reckon the bombers are gone? 
Oh, it's starting to look... It's it's a mathematical problem as well that Essendon face. And the, every game lost, especially ones that you'd say to make the finals, you'd need to be beat, beating teams below you on the ladder. Certainly a team that was one and five. You've just got to win those games, don't you? One and six they were. Mm. So if Essendon, Essendon are the one team, though, that can ignite and go on a run, I believe more so than any other side staring the eight above them. So I won't say that Essendon are out of the running. I will say this, without Joe Danaher, it's going to be very difficult, given the injuries that we've described, to cobble together winning scores. They need a key forward. All right, really, really quickly, because we've got yep. other, eight other games to talk about. Um, Rampy should it have been a free kick on the Obviously. goal line. Look, as an umpire, having umpired the game, I straight, I, I, hand, hand to heart, mm. I would have blown straight away a free kick Against him. What about the interpretation of the rules that suggest to climb the uh, goalpost isn't to intentionally shake the goalpost? Actually, you know what I would have paid? I would have paid a 50-metre penalty, possibly, as well. Well, but the, the yeah. rule Is does not mention intent. Yeah, I understand that. But didn't they have a rule when the pyramid was built at Carrara? Yeah, they did bring in a rule, but that, that was, was that you couldn't build human pyramids. Yeah, that was about standing <laughs> on the mark. But I'm... Look, I'm, you're not allowed to climb the, the goalpost. It moves the goalpost, and under that interpretation, a free kick would have been well and truly justified. Yeah, it, it would have been, and had it been paid, the AFL would have come out and said it was the correct interpretation of the correct. rule. So they had a bob each way. Oh, look, would Meyer have taken it on the line? Yeah, right in would the middle made, of the goal line. Would he have made the distance? Because <laughs> he's old. He said he's old now. I think he would have made it. And very quickly, <laughs> uh, Heppel and Myers smiling after the game. So the, so the explanation there was that Meyer said to him, I'm an old bloke now, I just couldn't make the distance. Yeah. Do you think it's a bad look? Not at all. No, I'm not, not fussed a, about it. Not at all. He said to him with a, a wry smile. Yeah. People who don't understand what a wry smile is. Yeah, the camera can be cruel in those pl- situations, I think. Please look up um, one of those websites that not only give you explanations, but pictures. It was a wry smile. All right. I'm going to move on. I'm just going to leave this game with this comment. Uh, I've been following Essendon all my life, and I've been involved with Essendon professionally for a while. I worry that there are a few too many guys on that playing list who are happy enough... Professional footballers? ...being AFL footballers. Oh, yeah. There are. Okay. Let's move on. Alpha, oh, sorry. Just... No, I want to press you. You're not willing to say it? Alphabetically, do we start... Which end of the alphabet do you want to start at? Um, either. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Okay. Game number two. At Mars. And uh, the Lions went to Mars to take on the Bulldogs uh, and uh, didn't come away with a win. And I'm glad I, I sort of felt... stuff this way. Well, I felt like this might be a bridge too far for the Lions. It was tough conditions. It was cold. It was a little bit wet. Um, good start to Brisbane, but probably didn't capitalise on it enough. Uh, Bulldogs gradually got on top. Much better than Brisbane in the second half, I felt. And in the end, 16-point victors, 13-14-92. To 11-10-76, three goals to Aaron Norton, who is now apparently known as the Astronaut. Two each to Richards and Lloyd, and a lot of singles. Three to Mitch Robinson for the Lions. Um, Josh Dunkley, very good for the Doggies. Uh, Jack McRae, very good, as he usually is. Uh, Hunter, pretty good. Lloyd, handy in that small forward role. For Brisbane, Hugh McLuggage, wow, he's a, he's got some serious touch, that man. Uh 
lovely uh, ball handle and kicked a beautiful goal for them as well. Lockie Neal, prolific as ever. Jared Lyons, okay. Robinson, good. But uh, Eric Hipwood, a bit off target. Oh, he was good. He was good, but he, he had naught five mm. at half time. Yeah, well, a lot off target. Yeah. And then he kicked a beautiful goal. It took a bit of nerve to go back and kick one from 40 on a 45 degree to start the second half. Well done, Heaton. So ultimately, do you think this is a game that's sort of played out as you might have expected? Well, you tipped Brisbane, so obviously not for you. But as I watched it, it became apparent that the hard-working, high-possession winning midfield of the Western Bulldogs was going to be the deciding factor because yardage became important in this game. And uh, I don't know whether... All commentary was similar to the television commentary, but I found it a little bit annoying having to get the background of every player on the field to find out whether or not the commentators thought that they could handle a greasy ball. McLuggage was identified as a country Victorian who would, oh, that's why he's handling the ball. So (laughs) No, some of them are just good, you know. And McLuggage was, he had a dry ball all of his own for most of the game. When the game was up for grabs in the last quarter, he actually dropped a mark about 15 metres out that, could have put Brisbane back in. Cruel luck. Cruel is the game of football because he was the one player that didn't look like doing that. You know who I thought was very important for the Bulldogs was Trengove in the ruck. Yep. Undersized but not underperformed. Mm. Yep, and particularly with English having been the... um, Oh, he got injured, didn't he? So uh, Roberts um, replaced him in the selected side. So He hasn't played a lot of footy for a while, has he? Roberts, no. Do we think this is a sort of loss we'd expect from Brisbane at this stage, or should they be better than that? Better than that. Only because they've they've, um, pitchforked themselves into the season with their good early win-loss record. And if they wanted to make the eight, then you have to win these games because they got off to a good start. Against a team that has its weaknesses, they were in the game. Where did it go wrong for them? They weren't able, they didn't have enough players who could sustain a midfield presence. And in the end, you know, those Bulldogs midfielders, they just love getting the ball. Mm. And there were others as well, you know. Uh, Young Hayes, the trainer's son, as they call him, he found the ball. Caleb Daniel knows how to find the ball. He's had a great season. And Lever in the hands of one team more than the other, won the game. So where do we think the Bulldogs are at? Because I I wasn't seeing it. Um, Best of the rest. Yeah, the rest. The rest being a group of teams that can't make the eight. So no, still no chance to make it. No the chance at all. How many wins are they now? Three or four. No, they're four, four. at least. They're four at the most. Well, you can't say they're not a chance. Oh, I mean, they're a game out. Yeah, but you've got to fill your, fill your eight with teams... Look, we've got anyhow. We'll go through. I'm it. not but, sure anyone's that good. <laughs> but Adelaide, honest. Adelaide have now. You like Adelaide has more firepower. You'd think. yeah, and they now you can be pretty confident tipping them in Adelaide. Yeah, way. just don't forget that we said this about the Bulldogs right throughout 2016 as well. They're not the same team. Why are they not the same team? Because they do not have the key position players to go every week. No, that's true. Um, mind you, we said this about Norton after kicking five. We thought, well, you know, try, no, do, he's good. He's try, good. try doing that every week. Well, you know, he got three this week and he was pretty important. So. You know where he played some great football? Back of centre in the last 15 minutes. Mm. They threw him back there. Well, I mean, he finished fourth in their best and fairest playing at centre-half back last year and, and missing some games too. So He's in my other All-Australian team. Other? Well, the, the team less obvious. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I don't think there's much doubt, to, uh, in my mind, they're, they're tracking better than they were last year or the year before, I they, think. They're playing with 
the, over the last couple of years, there seem to be some disgruntled footballers there, and that can be best proved by the fact that they're not at the club anymore. There's a handful of players playing elsewhere that were premiership players, which is odd. Mm. When you see Stringer and Dalhouse and uh, Roughhead, and you know they're not at the club anymore. They've still got 14 of the premiership I mean, yeah. 22 on the books. Yeah, but, but uh, you wouldn't have imagined those players to have been cast aside. I mean, they've really been mm. told to leave. Yeah. So they seem a happier unit. They mm. they They are more cohesive but look they don't have a ruckman and some weeks not in the wet at mars but in some weeks they're just going to get torn apart by ruckman on pluto i'm just i don't, know, I just don't feel, say the next planet you know, i feel watched and no, don't, don't say the immature no planet. even i'm not that obvious all right uh, that's enough on that game let's move on uranus Ah, oh, the big one, finally. Traditional rivals, MCG, Saturday afternoon, Carlton v Collingwood, no matter where they are on the ladder. And we take the piss out of this all the time because usually they are at opposite ends of the ladder and usually these games are a bit of a yawn, to be honest. But this one was an absolute cracker. And uh, eventually Collingwood prevailing, but having to dig very deep. In the end, 16-10, 106, 19-point victors over Carlton, 13-9, 87. In no way is that score indicative of the game. Believe it or not, Carlton led by uh, the best part of two goals into time on before Collingwood kicked the last five. Uh, goals evenly spread for the Pies as they tend to be two each to Hoskin Elliott, Phillips, Dugowie, Brown, Stevenson and Grundy. Trelaw, terrific for them. Phillips, very, very good. He's uh, a vastly improved player. Side bottom, good. Grundy, good in the ruck, as you'd expect. Chris, pretty good. For the Blues, really good effort by them. I know that their fans are absolutely sick of hearing this stuff, but three to McGovern, two to Cunningham, Mackay and Charlie Curnow. Patrick Cripps, what an absolute superstar he that could man have got, is. He almost got the 10 sun score. Well, that, that goal... Had he, kicked the, had he kicked the one around the corner <clears> in the last quarter, yeah. it would have won them the game almost. Well, the one he kicked to bring them back within a goal. Yeah, no, he's an absolute gun, and you've got to keep scratching your to remind yourself how comparatively young he is. Absolute superstar. Thought Mark Murphy was terrific. Best game he's better, played in a better, long time. Positive. Mark's better. And, 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 and he had a bit of he had a bit of S.H.1-T about him. You yeah. know, he was angry. And a beautiful goalie kick yeah, too yeah. in yes, that yes. Uh, third quarter. Cunningham, I thought pretty impressive. Ed Curnow, you know, we know what a workhorse he is. Down back, I thought... Um, they made a star down back. Well, I thought Marchbank was, I thought, I thought he was pretty good. Cripps definitely best on ground. And you know what? I almost thought Mark's bank was second best on ground. Mm. He was heroic. He was he was assured, brave, and provided a good attacking option. And the other bloke down back did very well. Uh, Ploughman. Kaz Boulay. Oh, yes. It's not Kaz Boulay, surely. That's yeah, not so that. you reckon they might have done a Liam Jones with him? Yeah, but then what do you do with Liam Jones when he comes back? Do a double Liam Jones and send him forward again. <laughs> yes. But Kaz Belay, I've got to pronounce him differently because oh, okay, he was a completely different. Does. No, because he was a different footballer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Levi, Levy Kaz Belay is a good backman. What about Kaz Bult? Something, because he was not the, oh, Levi Kaz Bult. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you make of Maureen McGovern? <laughs> he did it again. Uh, we may never love like this again. He did it again. Did what? Finished the game injured on the bench. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sore. 
Now I've got now I've got that earworm gun. The McGovern yeah. sisters are brilliant footballers, but the two biggest hypochondriacs in the AFL. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy McGovern, he was bandaged up and swathed yeah. before the game. Well, in fairness, to, in him? fairness to Jeremy McGovern, I was doing the boundary last night and he had a giant um, uh, expulsion of stomach contents right in front of me after copping one in the guts. Anyway, that's, that's them. Different, different, different game. I want to say well, one thing that really impresses me about Carlton this year, and I think it's different to other seasons when they've shown the odd bit of promise. They can actually play some fast attacking, um, scoring football with some decent ball movement. Eighty-seven was their total score. I don't mm. like using that. Is it, was it fourteen? Thirteen nine. Thirteen nine. Yeah, wasn't fourteen three. Um, Thirteen nine. But they reached that with. There was a chance that they were going to get to 100 against Collingwood, which would have been a mighty effort. Yeah, well, they were uh, 10-8 at three-quarter time after a five-goal third quarter. But We should comment on... on yeah, finish yours, because well, there yeah, is a stat that stands out in this game. You can see it coming together, and, and that's why I know Blues fans you know, are so frustrated because it has been so long, and I saw Brendan Bolton's press conference, and he said, you know, um, what was it? My moral compass tells me we shouldn't be at this moment, talking about the positives. And, and I understand him saying that, but I, there really are genuine positives. I don't think you have to search that hard to see them for the Blues. So, you know, like, I think their fans are being okay about this, but they really have to stay the course now because they are getting closer. Yeah. What's your stat? Well, there were two incredible stats on the weekend. I'll give the other one when we do the other game that it applies to. But in that last quarter... 26 inside 50s to five. Yeah. Now, Carlton scored goals from three, three of, the, of five. the five. Yeah. That's a great effort. But Collingwood were swarming them. And to Collingwood's credit, sometimes the swarm is put off when the other team gets that couple of goals. Mm. But then they re swarmed them again. And you've got to say that. The damn burst. It really was. Hoskin Elliott was asleep in the first half. Mm. I was shocked when he kicked that goal in the third quarter. I didn't know he was playing. Well, actually, what about. What about the mark he took right at the end of the game? He kicked the goal yeah, after the yeah, siren, yeah. but Superb. that was a fantastic... Superb. It didn't get the kudos it deserved because the siren was about to go. I'm assuming it? half an hour after everybody left the ground, he was still playing and kicking goals because <laughs> yeah. he must have got the time wrong. He but, wasn't there in the first half, but he almost was a match winner in the second half. And, and, and it, Darcy Moore, I mean, yeah. we've got to give him credit. He's, his courage of... And he's attacking intercept marking. Now, I know a lot was made about, we're going to be... We're going to, for the next decade, we're going to watch Charlie Kerno play on Darcy Moore. Mm. Nothing's certain in football. You don't know what's happening next week. Mm. But if that does happen, then we will track two very attacking, talented key position players with a great deal of joy. Yeah, and look, um, credit to the Pies too, because they, you know, they had it taken up to them all day and uh, they still had the resolve, I guess, and the, um, the coolness under pressure to rattle off those five goals in quick yep. succession at the end. And respect, I think if Carlton supporters want to know where they are, have a look at Nathan Buckley on the ground, coming on the ground after the game, overjoyed and hugging his players. Uh, he was very happy to win that game. He knew it was a good win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, good, uh, good observation. All right, let's head up to the Gold Coast. <laughs> Okay, what a thriller this was. Gold Coast Melbourne, the Demons winning literally in the final second. Eight goals, 13-61, defeated the Gold Coast 9-6-60. Now, Finey, 
let's be honest, wasn't a great game. Five goals each at three-quarter time. You know how they say, some people say about basketball, you can just watch the last five minutes. Yeah. I reckon you could have just about done that with this game. If you've got any children out there that misbehave, maybe a friend that owes you money. Anybody that needs to be punished, make them watch the second quarter of this game at Metricon. The fact that it was close means that I have renamed the game The Thriller in Vanilla because it was a very plain game of football until the exciting denouement, as they say in French literature. Um, and the second quarter scores, 1-2 to three behinds, the uh, aggregate score for the second quarter. Uh, Incredibly, now almost impossibly worse than the first quarter. Don't worry about the scoring in the first quarter. The inability to get any link play for either team was concerning. And good footballers had become bad footballers. Brayshaw, who finished third in the Brownlow last year, was a fumble bumblebee. And quite frankly, these are two teams that one hopes to grow into a good side. The other has forgotten to be a good side. But the other, the team that forgot, got an important win in the finish. Yeah, well, it had enough wherewithal to win. Now, if you miss this, um, you, you might want to have a look at the highlights of just the last quarter. But if you don't, uh, Gold Coast, of course, uh, great goal to... Oh, I've just forgotten who scored Was the goal. Was it little Ronnie Corbett? No. He, oh, then I'm not sure who... Oh, it was... Um, what's his name? Holman. Holman. Um, so lovely running goal uh, from him through the centre. Goal Skidding co- goal, goal, clever yeah, kick. Gold Coast lead by six points with 40 seconds left on the clock when it went back to the centre, or 48, was it? Yeah, the unfortunately named. Uh, Max Scorn wins the uh, hit out. Melbourne wins the clearance. Um, Marty Hoare given a little too much licence running through the centre um, square, kicks it, the first goal of his career. Pretty good circumstances to kick it. Uh, the scores are level again. It goes back to the centre. 18 seconds left on the clock. Shouldn't be enough to score, you'd think. But another uh, hit-out win by Gorn. Another clearance. I think, I'm not sure who it was, but whoever was on James Harms didn't... Oh, I know who it was. It was Lockie Weller. I think Lockie Weller charged ahead. And um, Harms stayed attacking side of the contest. Ball spilled to him. He probably should have scored himself. Miss kick. Goes to a two-on-one. Tom McDonald fumbles the mark. But very, he had good awareness. Yeah. He didn't try and pick it up and get a goal. He just you know, quickly towed it into the post. Yeah. Very aware of the situation. Yeah. And uh, literally, there wasn't even time for the restart, was there? I think one the siren second. went it as he kicked second. out. Yeah. So uh, that could, no, it won't count for much, will it? Because we, think, we don't think Melbourne can make it either. No, but maybe... The, of the two teams, the only team that could make it was Melbourne. So they're the team that needed the win because that would have been nailing coffin stuff. But they are so far off it at the moment. That being said, they got the four points. You know, watching that game, there, there are issues at Melbourne that are deep and hard to fix. And that is that they just don't have run. They don't have line-breaking run when they get the ball. Um, Clayton Oliver has now had to become that on top of everything else. Yeah, well, um, Josh Hunt, they seem to be using differently now. And uh, speaking of that runoff halfback, um, Michael Hibbert, collarbone injury. You think he'll be missing for several yes, weeks? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, yeah, look, it's they're, they're getting marginally better, but I think too little too late, really. The 
for for the Gold Coast, two one point losses yeah. this season. They do they not know how to win? No, that's not true. Now they were just a bit unlucky. So here's the interesting thing: at the end of the game, you would say that the six 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 was brilliant because it gave us this barnstorming finish, didn't it? Mm. Have you heard Don Pike's comments this weekend? Yeah, although I think they've been misinterpreted a bit. I read his full um, the, the the full comments. He wasn't saying that the low scoring is due to six six six. He said there have been changes, and sometimes the game changes. And it, I, I think that's people have put two and two together and got five there. But should, should this conversation be held with that great score from the Omen? <laughs> no, six 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 is no, not to blame. Should be held with Iron Maiden. Well, we've done that already. But, see, uh, but now you hear people talking about it. Is six 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 to blame? Yeah, well, six 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 is not to blame. I don't think it is. Um, we can have this discussion for another day, but uh, very quickly, I'm now firmly of the view that the only way we are going to uh, boost scoring uh, significantly is by going to sixteen on the ground rather than 18. And you know what? I think that would cause less confusion. I think it would cause less angst among supporters because the game, the rules aren't being substantially altered. Would you like to see... The obvious thing is to take Are you two, in favour of it or not? I, I, I agree. Yeah. Would you... The obvious thing is to do the old VFA thing and get rid of two wings, but... Yeah. But I think something really proactive would be to get rid of one of the guys... Not get rid of them, but only have three in the middle. For in the, the centre square. Yeah. That would really provide clear, yeah, well, clear breakage. You do that, or you remove uh, one one set from either fifty and keep the wingman and have five, six, five. Um, anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, ordinary game, but uh, Melbourne prevailing. And yeah, look, Gold Coast—they have so far exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, Your favourite bloke had his breakout game. I thought he was good. Who's that? Lukosius. Oh, yes, he was very precocious. And he knows just what a, how to make a pro blush. Yeah. Well, when, all, when, the, all the boys thought he was a spy. You know, given that he knows how to make a pro blush, you'd mm. think he could have picked up Marty Hoare at the end of the day. <laughs> yes. Very good. All right, let's move on. Okay, back in Melbourne, Marvel Stadium, Saturday evening, and a win to West Coast, who is still bumbling along, but. It was, they needed a win, and they got the win in the end. 12-16-88, defeating your Saints, Finey, 10-10-70. I covered this game for 3AW. I sat boundary side and uh, wasn't one of the great games of football, let's be honest. Uh, two goals to Kent and Billings for the Saints. Two to Kennedy, Petricelli, Allen and Cripps. Um, Dunstan, pretty good for your boys. Bruce, great game by Bruce. Took some fantastic great, con- contested great marks. marks. Yeah. yeah, didn't convert perhaps. Yeah. Um, Shannon Hearn, I thought pretty good for the Eagles. But for me, um, easily the most significant thing. Liam in this Ryan game. was very good, very good early, uh, yeah. particularly. But West Coast didn't have a target, and at half time, the marks inside fifty were ten three. West Coast had taken just three marks inside yeah. fifty. Second half, first Darling. It was a bit like the grand final with Jack Darling. He, he His third quarter was really good, and that sort of helped bring Kennedy into it. Yeah. And they, I think Kennedy and Darling had taken one mark between them to half time. They took seven between them in the third quarter yeah, that alone. Was the, that was the deciding factor. And once they had a target, they um, they found the scoreboard. And well, Ken- Kennedy, had, Kennedy had a good 10 minutes. That's all he had for the day, but mm. night. 
Look, you know, you're going to have to... Petra Chili's fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. We're going to do that every week. The, Jeez, he is, though. He, he really is. is. He really is. Look, as a St Kilda supporter, I couldn't be happier with their effort. They really... Yeah, the eff- effort's They're great. putting in, and the players that they're missing are the players they need. Jack Stephen, hugely missed. Mm. Jake Carlisle, for that situation, is missed. And then Robertson, who probably won't play again, sorely missed. The reality is St Kilda are, are putting in, so you have to pry games out of their hand. But mm. they can be, it can be pried a very simple way. St Kilda can't really score a lot more than 10 or 11 goals a game. That is their maximum output. They mm. don't have the, they unfortunately don't have the foot skills to deliver the ball to their forwards. Give and you know what these skill, the problem with these skills the the mid the, the guys are putting in huge effort to harass and you know to try and make the contested ball hot. I just don't think that St Kilda have a deep enough midfield to rotate them, and they, they by the time they get the ball, they are tired to the point of exhaustion and their, and their skills waver. They need polish in the midfield for two reasons: a because class is lacking, and B, because depth is lacking. Mm. And that, I think, is where they fall over. West Coast are not their best selves, but you know what? It was a test. It was a test of application. It was a test of... Uh, I just think the West Coast, you know, I feel that they have been disappointing some years recently. The disappointing West Coast could have turned their toes up in that game. So I think it was a, a good win. That's what I was going to say. Sometimes when you're not playing well, you've just got to get the result. And I agree with you. I think an earlier version of West Coast might have dropped games like this, but they've had a, a scratchy home win over Gold Coast and a slightly less scratchy, I think, win over St Kilda away. Um, and the bottom line here is they're not playing well, but they are 5-3. Now, I've fallen for this before. I remember saying about the Bulldogs at the start of 2017. They're not playing well, but they're getting the results, and it fell away ultimately. Which way are West Coast going to go? I'm still backing them to be a very serious player. They've got, uh, in fact, we interviewed Luke Shuey after the game, and he was, I thought he was really good again last night, and Dom Sheed as well. But um, Willie Rioli, not far away, and I think he just gives them that oh, huge, big X dynamic. Factor. Yeah, big exactly. And I think they're missing that. And you know what? When he plays, there's more of a reason for Kennedy and Darling to make contests. Yes, yes. No, absolutely. And uh, the other big one, of course, Nick Natanui. Now, this is encouraging. Um, Shui said he felt Natanui would play. Oh, uh, I, don't, I, oh I thought he felt Natanui and... No, he didn't. No, no. He metaphorically, he, yeah. um, he, no, he felt that he was likely to play either the week after their buy or possibly even before the buy. It'd have to be after the buy, but even before that, Hickey is better than Vardy. Uh, yeah, Vardy's struggling. Yeah, but I mean, having Nick Nat back in that lineup, and Huge. you know, if he has a you know sort of second half of a season to find some form and fitness. Uh, you're dealing with a very different conveyance. So they got the result. They're 5-3. They're up there. Um, look out, I think. I, I think they're going to continue to get better. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the showdown. And showdown number 678. Do you know what number it is? Oh. Well, hang on. It started in 97. Yep. It's 2019, so that's 20. This is a 23rd season. So it must two be a 45. year. 47. Oh, 47. Yeah, yeah 47. 47. No, 48. 
No, because well, the second the one will be 40. Rev's got <laughs> Very good. That's very good. And uh, in the end, a 20-point relatively comfortable win to Adelaide. 13-10-88 defeating an inaccurate Port Adelaide 9-14-68. 49,675 at Adelaide Oval and probably half that many in Hindley Street afterwards. It's Hindley Street, isn't it? Yeah, it's the it's a mall or a is it Hindley Street oh. or Rundle Rundle Mall? But where's Hindley Street? Hindley Street? Yeah, the, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's where okay. all the uh, it's where all the night spots are. Yes, yes. Oh, night spots. There's more than one. Okay, let's not do Adelaide jokes. Um, three goals to Lynch, two to Walker, two to Riley Nate, and good players and winner of the medal, Alex Alex Keith. Yeah, I'm saying the Sl- medal. Yeah, I'm saying Sloan was brilliant. He was. Uh, Hugh, Alex Keith was. Hugh Greenwood very good too. Magnificent mark he took. Yeah. Uh, Lynch, good, important for them. Daniel Talia, very solid. He seems to be back to good form. And Rory Laird, pretty consistent for them. For the power, Tom Rockcliffe, um, impressive. Sam, really? Yeah. He's just a ball, ball oh, I tuner. He, I thought he was all right. Sam Powell Pepper, pretty good. Bit of an excitement factor for them. Carl Amon, one of the better games he's played for yes. the power. Yes. Uh, Lynott is a new face. Um, Dougal Howard, Burn Jones, not bad. This was a game that the Crows had totally in control. I mean, at three-quarter time, the scores were 3-12 to 10-8, which is, what, a 38-point lead. But as you, as you can note they by, the, a bit. by the scoring shots, I mean, they were profligate in front of Goldport Adelaide throughout the night. That's not to say that they were not the inferior team. They were, mm. but they, any hope of some momentum was shot by the fact they couldn't kick consecutive goals because they couldn't kick goals. No, but they got on a bit of a roll at the start of that last quarter. I think, uh, was it Howard? Was it Howard? Yeah, Howard kicks one. Um, was Howard, wasn't he? socketed it. Yeah, yeah Howard, little Johnny. Yeah, Howard <laughs> Howard kicks one off the ground, brings them to within a couple of goals, and Tex Walker was the man who steadied the ship for the Crows in the end. But um, I, I would have thought this was a game that played out pretty much how we expected. I think Adelaide... That's four in a row to them now, and yep. uh, they still they still look a bit of a shadow of what they were. But maybe, and those Don Pike comments were interesting. They're certainly not that free flowing, high scoring side of two years ago. But maybe the game now doesn't allow you to be that. Well, if any team loved jacking it up from the half back line with Laird and Brody Smith and even um, oh, what, what's in the indigenous player that had stupid hair? Wayne Malera? No. One of the, oh. Are you talking past or present? No, no, present. Present. Okay, get it. We'll, 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 I'll look it up in a moment. Yeah. Uh, they they did a lot of run off the half back line and set a lot of their play up that way. But I guess it's not as easy to do when you can't set that way up, up after each goal. Mm. So I can understand Don Pike being more You're effective. You're talking about Murphy, eh? No. No, anyway. No, he, he had ridiculous hair last year. He sort of blonde and cropped at the sides and Rory Atkins? Rory Atkins. He's not indigenous. I think he might be. Is he not part I don't I didn't think he was. Maybe I, he is. Maybe oh, apologies if he is, but I didn't but think he was. But it is Rory Atkins. So okay. so here's a side that had the better midfield. Mm. And Rory Sloan, he's pretty well playing as well as he ever has. Do we think Adelaide is How a many seri- tackles did Sloan end up with? He must have he was at thirteen or fourteen at the start of the last quarter. Do we think Adelaide is a serious player in uh, premiership terms? No, but I think they can squeeze a final out. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why I'm immediately thinking of this, but we, we, and we'll come to this game, but GWS, 
I reckon they're on a par with GWS. Uh, I've got I still and and in a negative way because I've still got my doubts about GWS, which have been underscored today. Okay, well we'll talk about that in a moment. How about Port Adelaide? Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, first game of the season. I mean, we we've seen what they can do. They just don't do it consistently enough, and I think they can be thwarted too easily. Isn't it funny? This man Westhoff, who, when he is on song, is such a match-winning type of player because he can go forward, kick goals, he can shore up defence, but he does spend a lot of time MIA. And mm. I don't know. I, I know that they wear something that tracks how far they run, mm. but they needed something to actually identify where he was. He, <laughs> they almost, in South Australia, they were almost going to print milk cartons with his picture on the side <laughs> of him. Uh, as long as he didn't end up in Snowtown. Yeah, there's a cheap South Australian joke. Um, all right, so that was Showdown 47. We eagerly await Showdown 48 so we can go with all those rancid cliches again. Let's go to Sunday's games. Marvel Stadium again, Sunday afternoon. In the end, a 23-point victory to Geelong. 16-7, 103, defeating North Melbourne. 11 14 80. Hugely enjoyable game this finding. I thought it was, um, it, you know, it was tough, but it was reasonably free flowing. Bit of controversy. Gary Ablett, very similar sort of looking incident to the Dylan Shield one. Worse. Yeah, look, I think the prevailing view is he might go for this one. Harder to defend. There was no sort of open hand flay, flaying around. And it was ball, just a forearm. And the ball was further away, I think. Yep. Four goals to Hawkins, four to Ablett. He did play an outstanding game in that Boo, small forward yay, role. Boo, yay, boo, uh, yay. Tim Kelly, I love this man, and I'll come to him, so let's not uh, fire the bullets yet. Well, can I ask something about this Tim Kelly? Yes. 20 minutes into the first quarter, he hadn't had a possession. Yes, well, he, he was being, But he was being worn like a glove. Yes. Yeah, we'll w- get... We'll, why did North very, you know, sort of stray from the tra- stray, stray from the script or something? Well, did they, they maybe just broke the shackles? I don't know. I, I, I think that they understood that he was a man that had to be stopped, and it's like they just... None of them were committed enough to keep doing it. Um. This is the strength of Geelong, I think. Have a look at their best today. Mitch Duncan, very good. Cam Guthrie, very good. There are three names you're not seeing, or there are two names you're not seeing in this best for Geelong. One, Selwood, obviously. Uh, the he other went, one, So what happened before the game? The other was, one, Dangerfield. They had a late withdrawal. Mm. Uh, somebody came out, I can't remember who it was, and Selwood was his replacement. And then Selwood was replaced by Constable before he played. Initially, Selwood was going to play. Well, this is the uh, cat and mouse sort of games we, we play now in league footy. Especially given their twin brothers, I found it high, you know, must have gone back something to their childhood. This, well, maybe this the, game of Scott and Scott. Well, maybe the Scots switch spots in the coaching boxes as well. Good effort by the Roos today. Five goals to Ben Brown. Um, Cameron Zerha has got some serious talent. That guy kicked a fantastic goal to Halter. A strong Geelong run when they had got uh, what thirty four points up, and then North rattled off four goals in five minutes. Three well, Br- Brown, Brown. Kicked, Brown kicked three, three very in a row. rapid goals, and then Zerhar after that. There was and some beautiful goal kicking today. Yeah, and it was it was sort of tit for tat. One team would get a run of three goals, and the other would answer. In the end, basically class prevailed. But I reckon if North was to play like that, they'd win more games than not against inferior, uh, you know, opposition that wasn't as strong as the Cats. In the end, a pretty good win to the Cats. They are 
for me at the moment, yeah, they they are a little bit above even Collingwood, I think, at the moment. Very impressive side. Should the Mogs Creek angler have played? He he shanked the ball a few times. He, mm. I think he found it hard to kick. Yeah, yeah, no, it didn't look quite right. Um, so Cats standout team for you? Yeah, nice to win the game that they were at times second best in. Mm. And you're right, they class did prevail. I love the goal kicking of Hawkins in the third quarter. North had come at Geelong with those four goals. Beautiful goal kicking by Brown. And then Hawkins had two kicks. I think they're the hardest kicks in footy, about 30 metres out, both on toughish angles, Mm. but different sides of the ground. And he slotted both of them beautifully. Very accomplished. Yeah, no, I I think North will win... Some more games this year based on that. Uh, I don't think they're uh, bottom of the barrel at all. And the Cats, I think, hard to beat. And just, I like that guy O'Connor. What's Mark 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 O'Connor, yes. Yeah, no, he's good. The last Mark. The last Mark on the park, I think. Well, no one calls their kids Mark anymore. Not really. Uh, It's a shame for you. And our panel operator tonight. Uh, yes, of course, and uh, a very uh, big thank you, everyone, to this evening to Mark DeSanko, who has uh, left his Mother's Day dinner and his own birthday celebration to come and help us record this podcast. So uh, three cheers to Doss, one of the great men of the radio industry. Two games to go. Let's attend to them. All right, MCG, Sunday afternoon, 3.20, and a very good win to the Hawks over an extremely disappointing Greater Western Sydney. 10-11-71, the Hawks, 33-point victors, GWS managing just 5-8-38, one of the lowest scores in the club's entire history. Uh, two goals each to Impey and Segler for the victors. Three to Finlayson for GWS was the only multiple for them. For the Hawks, Ricky Henderson, another good game. He's having a really good season. James Frawley, pretty good, solid in defence along with James Sicily. Segler, impressive, both up forward and uh, the occasional ruck spell. Shields, good. Impey and Cousins, impressive. And for the Giants... Well, no one, really. Finlayson with his three goals. Kelly got a few touches. Cornelio, possibly. But uh, for the best part, very, very disappointing. I'll tell you what else was disappointing, Finey. The crowd, and yes, it was Mother's Day, 14,636 at the MCG. A lot of gaps in the seating. Yeah, I thought they had made a decision after some failed Melbourne games on Mother's Day that they were going to try and avoid having a lot of football on Mother's Day afternoon, but they've gone back to a traditional fixturing and it has proven to be unsuccessful. The game itself proved to be highly unsuccessful for GWS. There is a big contest this weekend. What's that? Who had the more embarrassing missed goal, Ben Brown or Liam Shields? Oh, yes. Yeah, and they were similar, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. Both uh, couldn't like pick it up and old then accidentally socket it. Correct. Uh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd, have that, I'd score that one an embarrassing draw, I think. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and both played very well, both, mate. Uh, a solid... Um, Solid hit out by the Hawks. Um, Very good game by Hawthorne. Very professional. They shut them down, didn't they? Yeah, GWS, um, I said in my article about Jeremy Cameron being the best player, that Mm. like voting in the upcoming election, you could quickly regret your vote. Mm. He was well, well beaten by James Frawley and... And his radar was off too. Couldn't yeah, he? and he just had a bad day. Frawley hurled him into the fence. Yeah, and, and was reported for that yeah. too. 
Who buy the umpire or yeah. the advertising company? <laughs> yeah. No, I think the strobe light, the strobe <laughs> yeah. lights remained intact. He was seeing strobe lighting a bit <clears> after <throat> that. Complained of a sore shoulder. The GWS Giants, Canilio was well held. Mm. Kelly, not all that influential. Taranto, probably the best of their midfielders. They were led a merry dance for most of the afternoon by strong on-ball division. A lot of help, may I say, by unlikely types that are starting to surface. Cousins played really well, kicked a, a vital goal in the third quarter, bit of a issue decider, I thought. Mm. Now, I gave you one outstandingly shocking stat, the 26-5 entries, Collingwood v. Carlton. Do you want the Hawthorne GWS stat? More was it? So the game is, it's probably going Hawthorne's way in the last quarter. It still is somewhat in the balance, I guess. Hawthorne took 42 marks in the last quarter before GWS took their first. Is that right? They were playing possession football, Mm. but GWS were letting them. It was the most, it was a meek and embarrassing surrender on the home of finals football. And people that think that GWS and the MCG is a bad fit would only have confirmed it. Yes, well, I'll, I'll come to that a bit later. But I, I've got to say, and I mentioned it before, my one reservation about the Giants, and I guess that win at Geelong should have dispelled it, but then you get a performance like this. I just I feel with them, if they don't start well, they're not likely to end well. They don't the seem road. to Yeah, well, they don't seem to me to be a side that when they don't start well is capable of sort of recovering and... In other words, they're not made of toughs. They're not made of earnest material, stern enough stuff. Yeah. Although we, I mean, they, they, anybody that thinks that would tonight be very chuffed with themselves because it really played out that way. So where are the Hawks? I mean, last week uh, Clarko said they're a middle of the road side. Do we think they're better than that, or do we think they are a middle of the road? side? I think side? they're a middle of the road side. I, I think as as influential. A factor is being on the road disengages GWS. I also find them far less imposing and able to fulfil their potential without Mumford in the team. He really is talismanic, isn't he? He's powerful, he's mean, and, you know, the fact that he didn't play, no, he was injured, I believe. Um, The fact that he didn't play left... The ruck word to Dawson Simpson, who failed to touch the ball. I think he had maybe three handballs, but I don't reckon they were handballs. I reckon they were fumbles. So, I mean, we've been talking about the Giants like they're sort of the equal of Geelong and Collingwood. We don't think that now, do we? Well, it was a bad, it was a really bad audition for playing in the finals, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I mean, the MCG, it clearly, you know, a lot of footy people don't like it when you bring up records at various grounds, but the bottom line is their record there stinks. Yeah, yeah, they stunk up the house today. They just, uh, they were disappointing. Finn Layson kicked three out of five, and he's good. He's Yeah, he's good. No, he's he, been he bobs up, up there. Yep. a lot. Yeah. Otherwise, there was not much up forward for them. And in the last quarter, actually, the two goals to Segler summed it up. He took two marks. You know, one, he's at the front of a pack. The ball just falls into his arm for a chess mark. I would have thought that there would have been a little more desperation by the GWS defenders, and you know, no, they were they were really 
a backward step today in pursuit of anything more than a spot in the eight. Yeah, no doubt. Got to get back on the bike pretty quickly. Okay, let's go to the final game of round eight. And it wrapped up in Perth at Optus Stadium where a, uh, well, I've got to say a typical, a typically sort of backs-to-the-wall performance by the Tigers. Very impressive win to Richmond. 17 goals, 9, 111. Uh, 25-point winners over Fremantle, 12 goals, 14, 86. It's a pretty good game, this. And it was uh, the Tigers got off to a blistering start, finally. They had four inside the first 10 minutes. Um, who, who kicked them? Bolton, Lynch, Stack and Lambert. Um, they doubled the Dockers for contested ball in that first 10 minutes. Had, uh, I think, six inside 50s for five shots and four goals. They were on fire. Frio, to their credit, came back um, to the extent where, you know, it was almost even Stevens at uh, quarter time. Again, Richmond got a little mini break just before halftime. Um, uh, who was it? Nathan Broad kicked a goal right on the siren, which was pretty important to them, and then put the foot down in the third quarter with but six goals four. What an amazing start to the second half. First of all, a, a huge loss for them is Nankervis not taking the field. So yep. he hurt his groin, he'd yeah. come back on but wasn't rucking, and then they just pulled the pin on him. Mm. And Jack Ross also unavailable for the second half. That's, you know, over in WA... That's hard to play with 20 men, especially when everybody accepts how important Nan Curvis is to the cause. Mm. What a start to the, last, uh, the second half. So a Lynch takes a mark, and then one of the strangest goals you've ever seen. Do you see? Uh, what happened was he, he kicked the ball and it was going through for a point, but Ryan, the stupidly now Scott Thornton lookalike in the <laughs> defence, it hit him on the head before it went through for a point. <laughs> yeah. And it bounced back into play, and Noah Bolter kicked a goal. Yes. And so they had to go up to the the match referee, who, it's a very strange thing. Did the ball hit his head? Where was his head? He just had no idea. He just hit him in the head. Goal. Then straight away, a goal to Fremantle in reply. Uh, a snap. Um, one of their smaller four. Oh, uh, the guy who kicked five last week with the very strong lineage. Matera kicked a nice goal. But straight away, Richmond kicked another goal through Shy Bolton. So within a minute of play, there were three goals, but Richmond clearly had responses. Sorry, I have to say this now. That goal off Ryan's head, do you remember the strangest goal off an interloper's head in VFL footy? If I start mentioning this, I reckon you'll remember it. Peter Dacos kicked it at Arden Street. Uh, a rebound off umpire Vas Vasilou's oh, head. Yeah, yeah, the late Vas <laughs> The late Vasilou. Yeah. Um, no, a great win by the Tigers. Got to mention Shy Bolton, four goals. Uh, yeah, he's got all the talent in the world, that guy, and uh, really fired today. Lynch, pretty strong. Only kicked two, but I thought he had a really strong, strong marking yeah. performance. Castagna, heap of running, chipped in for two goals. Have and we found out something, a fact? What? That it might not have been Rance all along. It might have been Dylan Grimes. Yeah. yeah, no, excellent again. Geez, yeah, he's playing some great footy. I was going to mention it. Well, he had 26 disposals, but the even spread of um, possession winners for him. So, Hawley, 30, obviously, he's part of that defensive strength as well. But 
uh, 26 to Lambert, 25 to Ellis, 24 to Caddy, 23 to Prestia, 23 to Dusty, who's you know just that sort of bit player at the moment. Connor Menadu, 23, and some good touches for him too. So well, as, as many Richmond supporters call them Connor overdue because they are waiting for him to deliver on promise, but yeah. this might have been it. Well, you know, we were wondering at stages uh, as the injuries kicked in, would they regret sort of clearing out some of those second or you know, players who are on the fringe of the senior side, but their depth is bloody impressive. No, they're good. What about Freo? Are they any good? Uh, I think they had an opportunity here, given Richmond's injuries coming into the game and then losing Nan Curvis. The go- they had fought their way back, as you said, to uh, just before half-time draw level. Then a couple of late goals to Richmond, I guess, showed that they were playing a team made of stern stuff. Another team that, if they were going to make a serious assault on the eight, you need to beat a wounded Richmond at home. Mm. But Richmond, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They're not the sort of team that's... They're too good to lose two in a row that they shouldn't. And they won it. And, and they won it by scoring heavily, which was pretty impressive. Yeah. No, back on track, the Tigers. And uh, interesting, Dockers next week take on Essendon in Melbourne. Good test for them. Good test for the Chasing Bombers as well. All right, that is round eight wrapped up. Let's move just, on. We should mention, as an Essendon fan, mm. you'd be pleased. I think Fife is in serious trouble. Oh, yes, we Lynch. did mention that. Yeah, I did say that, and it didn't look good. So no, uh, I, think, I, I don't think he'll be addressing Essendon next week, which is good news for the Bombers. Well, I don't wish ill upon him, but um, yes, I, I think he's gone. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the highs and lows of round eight. On Footyology, hot... Rightio, I'm going first, Finey. We mentioned him in the game review. His name is Tim Kelly, and I love him. 36 disposals today, 21 contested possessions, 11 clearances, 7 tackles, 2 goals, 3 goal assists. He's got pace. He's got a great footy brain. He's got silky disposal. He finished equal second in their best and fairest last year in his first season at the club. He's gone to another level again this year. Not an unrealistic Brownlow medal chance. An absolute lock for all Australian selection and the biggest wonder of the lot. How did this guy wait five years to be drafted? I think the second biggest wonder, who's he going to play for next year? Oh, I don't think those things are done and dusted. Anyway, even if that is the case, I would like to just appreciate fully his football talent because he is a joy to watch. And uh, how... um, overloaded with the riches of the cats, you know, the holy trinity. We're not even talking about him at the moment. Uh, We've got Kelly. We've got Mitch Duncan playing well today. We've got Guthrie. They have got so many good on-ballers, the cats. No wonder they're on top of the ladder. But this guy is as good as any of them. Absolute star. He's that good. I'm advocating St Kilda to relocate in WA just to be in the running to get it. <laughs> All right, your turn. I'm hotting the smallest player in the AFL. There's not a lot of him. And you may have hotted Caleb Daniel already this oh, season. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, I don't think so. I might have. But anyway, go on. Audacious. They've put him as a sort of... Um, he's audacious. But he's not lacocious. He is short. And he is their backline exit man. And he takes the game on. He's quick of foot, quick of hand, but more importantly, quick of mind. And have a look how many times he actually spoils bigger players in the forward line. So it's not as though they've got a, a small man in the back line that is exploitable. 
unless he's playing on a on a giant, he can actually get up there and affect spoils. Uh, uh, thumbs up to Caleb Daniel, who had to reinvent himself because as a midfielder, I think he was too light for the hustle bustle of inside football. But as a defender, to get them out of trouble with quick movement, he's ideal. Real natural footballer, and I love watching them. Yeah, no, good call. Uh, a not for me, and a uh, bit of a poorie old chestnut, this one, jumper clashes. Now, like you, I suspect, I'm not much of a one for, oh, you know, I can't tell these teams apart. We grew up watching North Melbourne play Collingwood in black and white and coped okay. However, when you establish a formula that, or a rule that, you know, two sides that have similar uniforms have to be sufficiently different, it would be nice if it was followed. So some of them are mystifying where some sides change their jumpers and we can't work out what the clash actually is. Well, today I saw one where I thought, okay, if you're going to have alternate strips, surely you have one for this. And it was Hawthorne GWS. Now, I put this on Twitter. I've been howled down by a few people saying, what are you talking about? They're not different at all. But I reckon early in the game particularly, when you're looking at the long shots and there was a, a faint bit of sun trickling through, it, it at a first glance, it was pretty hard to tell the backs of those jumpers apart between uh, gold and orange. Absolutely correct. The back of GWS's jumper is confounding. I hate when they play the Sydney Swans and Swans have the predominantly red back. You can't tell that who's got the ball when you're looking from behind two players. A Melbourne clash with a lot of clubs. I, I think the AFL have dropped the ball with clash jumpers. You know what I reckon it was? I reckon whoever makes those decisions had a week off and they forgot to appoint they, someone in their place. I think they do place. a lot. I think <laughs> they're... A, well, there, there are heard, games you, you watch and you think, what are they thinking? I've heard the leave provisions at AFL House are very generous. Uh, anyway, not good enough. And that is my not yours. This one's a difficult one. Caveats. Uh, hot or not? Not. I, I, I enjoyed my time as a field umpire in recent years. I don't approve of umpire bashing per se. But I also understand that there are X number of AFL umpires, and there would be umpires on the fringe hoping to gain the whistle for an AFL game. It's like selection in any team. I know that the AFL, chastened by a recent criticism that they didn't support umpires in the Anzac Day game, will be loath to make any obvious changes. And this one should not be misconstrued as anything other than an umpire who's not up to the standard. But Eleni Glufsis is not up to the standard. And it might have more to do with me barracking for St Kilda than it does with anything about her gender. But I think you'll find supporters of all clubs would be confounded by some of her decisions recently. And she needs a spell because she should not be umpiring AFL football. Do you think um, she will be accorded more... Uh, latitude because of her gender. That would be, if that is the case, that would be a failing by the people assigned with the you know, assigned the responsibility of selecting the best twenty-seven umpires each week. Do you think that could happen subconsciously, even if they don't wish that to be the case? I actually think not. I think it, I think it might have already happened, but. We're through the looking glass here, people. She should not be umpiring at the moment. That doesn't mean Elaney doesn't go back with the experience gained at AFL level. Uh, 
does VFL games, does the next level of games, and comes back a better umpire in a year or so. But uh, she does not have a great feel for the game of football at the moment. What do you think? Um, I thought, yeah, I thought there were a couple of ordinary ones last night. But I, I, I don't have confidence in her whistleblowing. I must say, I'm being totally honest here, I, I don't she I, I don't single her out and think she's notably worse than a lot of the others. So to be perfectly honest, I reckon the umpires as a group now, I don't really differentiate between any of them. None of them really stand out to me. There was an Essendon game that she did recently. I can't remember who it was. And she was also poor in that. Okay. And other games. I, I, I think there are some fundamental mistakes there. All right. Um, now, unusually for me, Fonny, I'm going. Uh, I'm doubling up on the not front this week, and mm-hmm. we did discuss in the game review. But my not is GWS because we've um, wrapped them up all year and talked about you know they've got more strings to their bow and they're more workmanlike and they've got those role players now. They're not all froth and bubble. They can you know get down and dirty. They had the win at Geelong, and yet they turn in a performance like today and. You know, maybe that's the way footy is now. Maybe no side is sufficiently good enough now to be able to get on a roll of form and keep it going. But I thought they were particularly bad today. Um, and I think a few of their losses this year have disturbed. The one against Frio in Canberra. Um, you can't afford to be losing games like that, I don't think. Um, the one against West Coast, uh, when they conceded 14 goals to six after quarter time, again on the road. And most of all, and we mentioned it before, the record at the MCG. They've played there now 16 times and won two of them. And one of them was against Collingwood narrowly in round two last year when the Pies copped a number of injuries. And uh, the other one was against a hapless Melbourne a few years back. So, you know, if they're aspiring to um, actually do something in September, you've got to be better than that on the road, and you've certainly got to be better than that on the MCG. And uh, they stunk it up today, and they've got to be better than that. But we can thank them for one thing. What's that? GWS provide us with the opportunity for our first ever competition on footyology. Well, let's get to that at the end of Hot or Not. You do your last Hot or Not. Okay, but it is a GWS inspired competition i'll explain it shortly okay uh, my final is a hot and that is without great fanfare i think the uh, emerging class of 2019 that is first year players are going to stand the test of time there are a number of very impressive first year players now this was considered to be a draft with some top end talent but not huge depth one to maybe you know not not um, spend too many tickets on. And there are three good players already emerging, aren't they? We like Sam Walsh. Mm. We love Brian Myers. I do. Uh, the Port Adelaide young pups are good. Ro- Butters, Rosie and Dersma. Um, no, on. second year player, William Drew. Willem who? Willem Drew. Okay. Willem who? Willem too, because it is his second year. Does likes that one. Nick Blakey. Uh, very impressive. No, yeah. it's a particularly good crop. Bailey Smith. Very good. East Malvern's finest mullet. Yeah, love his work. Uh, we're yet to see a couple of kings appear, but uh, Lacocious starts to um, look tasty. He's precocious. He is. And so they say is the yet to be see Rankine of Brisbane, who's had another injury setback. But I think there's plenty of talent going to come 
in retrospect, this will be considered a great year. Yep, no, I agree. Good call. Hot. Uh, a very hot call. That is hot or not for this week. And now, finally, please reveal details of this competition. It's the Andrew Hamburgers. Andrew's Hamburgers competition. We have got a very limited edition because they really were only for staff, but they've said, why don't you give them away? Andrew's Hamburgers t-shirt and cap. And they're rippers. And we are going to... Now, the way to enter is to go to the Footyology website. Footyology.com.au. There is facility there to send an email. And all we ask of you is, given their performance today, what should GWS stand for? We know it stands for Greater Western Sydney. As a bit of a leg up, you can also use little words because they don't count in acronyms. So I would say greatest waste of space, but that might be a bit harsh. I think there's a lot of ways you can go. But the best GWS wins the T-shirt and the cap. And I will actually be personally vetting those emails. So uh, apologies in advance to all those uh, contacts of mine at the Giants. This is Mark's question. I have absolutely no association with it whatsoever. I'm just doling out the prizes to the best entry. Uh, so say that again, finally, best acronym for uh, GWS based on their performance today. Well, you know what? You can extend it out. Somebody might, might want to stick it up me and call GWS stands for Good Win Against Saints. Okay. No, that's good. Yeah, I like and, that. And we'd have to cop that. And the prize, a fantastic Andrews Hamburgers T-shirt and cap. Have we got a variety of sizes? We've got a variety of sizes. In fact, you will look so much like a staff member, you could go there. And get behind the counter and see how they cook those burgers. 144, Bridport Street, Albert Park. All right, you heard it, people. Our first competition. Make sure you fire those entries in to footyology.com.au. Just look for the contact button on the website. And, yes, I will be personally reading your email. So keep them abuse-free, please, if you can. All right, finally, that's our generous uh, half. Now let's turn to our angry half. On Footyology. The rant Okay, we know what that means. Uh, I'm going to let you go first tonight, Finey. In the uh, no, it's got nothing to do with Mother's Day at all. I'm just going to let you go first. Well, mine has everything to do with Mother's Day. It's a mea culpa. Okay, three, two, one, rant. I'm sorry, Mum. I'm sorry for being a bad son today. Because let's be honest, when the family gets together to celebrate Mother's Day for a, a wonderful mother in her mid-80s. I don't want to give the exact age. You don't like that. I should pay more attention to you. To be honest, I don't even know where, what time you left or whether or not you came at all because, you see, we gathered at my sister's house and I did the wrong thing. I blame the AFL. They were supposed to schedule games around Mother's Day, not during Mother's Day. I started off by watching the completion of the North Melbourne Geelong game Compelling as I thought it may have been, it wasn't, but it was still a good watch and I enjoyed Hawkins and Brown and to be honest, I spent more time thinking about Zerhard than I did about Lucy. Sorry, Mum. Then somehow I got involved in that hard-to-watch game between Hawthorne and GWS. Hard-to-watch, as Rowan pointed out, because I didn't know which team was which and by the time I'd worked it out, everybody had left and uh, my sister had commented on the fact it would have been nice if you at least um, acknowledge your mother. So this is an apology. This is an apology that on Mother's Day, I didn't celebrate my mother's 
wonderful contribution. My wife, who, you know, really is the powering force in our family looking after four kids, I was more worried whether or not James Cousins had improved as a footballer. What was wrong with GWS's on-ball division? How much they missed their ruckman. And unfortunately for me, it was more about where's Mumford than where's Mum. So I apologise to your Mum. By the way, where is Mumford? They really needed him. I'm a fortunate son indeed that she doesn't tell me off. That's me telling you off with my alarm. Apologies for that, everyone. Uh, yes, uh, that is a... I was some, a naughty boy. I was a bad boy. That is some mea culpa. And uh, happy Mother's Day, Mrs. Fine. Uh, allow me to do as your son should have. And while we're at it, uh, a very happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. You're all fantastic. We know the sacrifices you make for your uh, children, and um, we appreciate them all. And uh, same applies to my mum, Joe Connolly, now 82 and still going strong. And I had a lovely sort of brunchy affair with her and my two sisters, Sharon and Linda. Is she still into Latin American music? Uh, yep, yep. She doesn't go there anymore, but she spent a good 20 years uh, taking tour groups to South America and then later to China. Um, she got a uni degree in her 40s. She looked after four kids. She's um, she's had an amazing life, my mum. And if you want to see a particularly cheesy family portrait, I did post one on Twitter and Instagram earlier Today, all right, enough self-indulgence, Finey, count me in. Three, two, uno to you. I'm pissed off with Dane Rampey, Finey. Imagine nearly costing your team a win because just as the siren's about to ring, you decide you want to go mountaineering up a goalpost. Not to mention taking attention away from what was a badly needed win by your club. We should have been talking about Sydney's effort for a good 24 hours. Instead, we were talking about Rule 17.11 all weekend. What we can thank Rampy for, though, Finey, is drawing attention to the AFL's apparently new policy of ignoring rules for more practical solutions. We've already seen it with the 666 rule, when umpires, rather than penalise teams who don't have the right players in the right zones, just give them a friendly warning instead, which is exactly what umpire Andre Gianfania gave to Rampy, nice name, Gianfania, gave to Rampy rather than pay a free kick to Essendon from the goal line. Gil McLaughlin reckons Rampy's climbing the post is like the guy who's a metre over the mark. The umpire says, come back or it's 50, and the guy comes back. If he doesn't, it's a free kick. That seems to be a very practical response, McLaughlin said yesterday. I actually agree on this one. But if the AFL's fair income finey, they need to apply the policy unilaterally and not just pick and choose when they work to the letter of the law or not. Like Stephen Dank. Rather than chuck Essendon out of a final series, suspend coaches, fine them and penalise them draft picks, the AFL could have just said, listen, Danky, how about laying off the injections of fermented eye of newt into players' backsides and we'll just call it quits? Remember Carlton's salary cap breaches? Why didn't they just say to Carlton President John Elliott, come on, Big Jack, just pop those brown paper bags full of illegal player payments back into the safe and we won't ruin your club for the next two decades. Just good old common sense, Finey. A bit more of that and I reckon your Saints might even have won another flag. Don't believe me? Well, that bounce which eluded Stephen Milne in the 2010 Grand Final surely wasn't common sense. 
Why didn't the umpire give the football a warning, make it bounce properly, and let Milne run into an open goal? We'd have one less football tragedy on our hands, you'd certainly be a lot easier to get along with, and we'd have something else to make Eddie Maguire internet memes about. You've opened up a can of worms, Dane Rampy, and next time you get the urge for a spot of climbing, try the local playground instead of the bloody SCG! I love it. I really enjoyed it from go to woe. It, it included a happy ending, St Kilda winning a premiership. <laughs> it followed a logical process, which unfortunately the AFL rarely does. And I guess now that you get a warning for these things, what what we can only predict what next. It, you know who didn't get a warning? Who? Last week, somebody got 50 metres, or maybe this week, for... for um, throwing throwing grass yeah. was a Fremantle player. Yeah, why didn't he get a warning? Don't don't do that. Don't throw. I would have thought grass throwing was deserving of a warning rather than an immediate penalty. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's parking be, officers. It's got to be unilateral. Park. Parking officers. That that would be very handy indeed. Just waiting by your car. Look, I was going to give you a ticket. <laughs> You're four hours late. And I've done nothing but wait for you. But don't do it again. What about when we both turn up hours late at the at, at our homes and our spouses, rather than going crook, could give us that sort of preemptive warning. Now, listen, if you stay out for another half hour or so, I am going to be very angry. I agree. We, I, I'm up to 317, so <laughs> right. I think the 318th warning is, that's fair. Okay. All right. Hi, Natalie. Hope you're well. Um, that's it for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope your team won or was at least competitive. If they didn't win, hope they get a win next week. Don't forget our very first competition. Send in your acronyms for Greater Western Sydney. Some funny ones. Come on, you can really extend yourself here. Email them to footyology.com.au. You'll find the contact button on the website where you will also read some outstanding journalism, uh, the next post of which will be coming from none other than Mark Fine with Finey's Final Siren, and he'll have that in bright and early tomorrow, won't you, Mark? I will indeed. You know what GWS stands for? What? When you go to Andrew's Hamburgers at 144 Bridport Street, you get wonderful stuff. And? And if you get your house built or remodelled by our great mate Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co., that's good work, son. We're starting to do these plugs so seamlessly, I think SEN will be on the phone very shortly, Finding, I'm... My phone's dead. <laughs> but I'll turn it on. I'll take the call. Believe me. All right. We always finish with a musical accompaniment. Uh, I've got a feeling you've got an idea. You know what? I was very lucky today I didn't get a bony boot up the arse. There I am insulting my mother again, but she's old. Um, a bony boot up the arse for being derelict in my duty as a son to celebrate Mother's Day. So I reckon, and also it's a great song by Credence. Credence Clearwater Revival, first band I ever got into, one of the great songs this. And you know what the best part about this is? For the first time possibly in history, we're playing this not in the context of the Vietnam War. Instead, Mother's Day and football intervening, fortunate son. We'll see you on Thursday.